In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Thank you so much for being with us for another edition of the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane, the great team at Pathfinder Wealth Management. They are both retirement income planning specialists serving you throughout the Rockford area. Both are authors of multiple financial planning and books on retirement. Very important information included in those. And uh, you can also find out great information about the team by going online to pathfinderwealth.com. If you're a big fan of podcasts and you tend to use Apple Podcasts or Google or perhaps Spotify or one of the other platforms, well, we're on all of those. So go subscribe to us using your favorite podcasting app so that you never miss a show. We've got a great program on the way for you today. We're going to talk about the five simple retirement questions that are kind of hard to answer. More on that in just a moment. But first, let's say hello to the voices of the program, Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. Hey, you two. How's it going this week? Good morning, Walter. Doing, How are you? Doing real well. And uh, really excited about this conversation today because, boy, it's nice when we can ask simple questions, but when they get a little bit complicated in the answer, that can scare a lot of people away. And that's kind of the way it is for a lot of retirement planning questions. They seem simple at first. You know, they might only be four or five words long and give you the impression that there's a simple yes or no answer, but it's tricky because sometimes that answer becomes overwhelming for folks. So I want to cover some of the important retirement questions that are harder to answer than you might think. And first one on the list is Social Security and deciding when specifically to take Social Security. Now, it seems, Barbara and Phil, for something that's been around for decades at this point, we should have it pretty easily figured out now. Why is it still a pretty complicated answer for a lot of people? That's a good question. And, and it is a simple uh, question, but it's a complicated answer. <laughs> because it depends on so many variables. But that's one of the things that we help people to decide is when to take Social Security and retirement, coupled with their pre-tax and their taxable and tax-free accounts. And it is an important decision, as well as tax savings. So it's not a specific time or age, because there's many factors that include, are you married, your health and your spouse's health, your retirement nest egg, do you have a pension? And that's just to name a few. The break-even age is about 80. People want to take Social Security at 62 because they're afraid it's not going to be there. For baby boomers, Social Security will be there. It's going to be the younger generations that things will change. And there's a lot of things on the table, a lot of proposals on the table. We don't know what the outcome of that will be. So if the break-even age is about 80, then the question is, do you plan to live beyond age 80? Well, if you're healthy, I'd say hopefully so and plan on it. And so number one, if you're married, consider waiting if you're the higher income earner because you've got 8% per year additional benefit. So if you don't collect at age 66 for your full retirement age benefit and you wait till 70, that's a 32% increase in benefit. Women typically live longer. So then the higher benefit would be there for her when she needs it most. And secondly, do you need the income when you retire? Right when you retire, you can retire and you don't have to collect social security. So if it is possible, wait until at least full retirement age to collect your benefits. However, there's always a however, if there is a low income earning spouse, they may benefit from collecting their benefit early because a higher amount will benefit them on death. And that's the one they're going to collect anyway. 
So there are benefits for ex-spouses, for widows, for spouses, etc. And my advice is to work with a financial advisor that specializes in retirement income planning. Because the short answer is that it depends on so many variables. And you wanna make sure you get it right when you file because if you don't, you only have one year to pay back benefits if you decided that it was a bad decision. Bill, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, that, all you said was, uh, I agree with 100%, Barb. Uh, I wanna add to that, that recently, there's been several people that have come in that wanted to take their social security early, you know, 62, 63 and prior to their, their normal retirement date, because they felt like they were going to run out of money. The social security trust fund would run out of money before they were able to get all of their benefits. Hmm. And really we have to assure the people that, you know, our folks, the people in our generation, the baby boom generation will probably have enough money in there to sustain the younger generation, maybe not. They'll probably have to go ahead and increase those ages, postpone benefits for a longer period of time, and that's important. The other thing that we want to talk about is this idea of blending incomes. Now, we do a taxes and retirement seminar for the public. During that presentation, we take in consideration all their sources of income, whether it's Social Security, whether it's IRA, whether it's pension, whether it's dividends, stock, income, you name it. And we blend this all together to determine what might be the most opportune time to take Social Security. And the reason that's important is because of something called provisional income. All these sources can come together and drive the amount of tax on the Social Security benefit. If we're able to know what that number is, we're able to give them a better idea when to take that Social Security. So it's not always about taking it early, taking it later. It depends on the various sources of income and how they're being blended. Yeah, from a taxation standpoint, that is very true. If you're going to wait until age 70 and you've got a higher benefit, if it puts you in a higher tax bracket, then maybe you would have been better off to just take the income earlier. That's take correct. The, take the Social Security benefit earlier. That's correct. Gives you a good picture of just why that becomes a complicated question or a complicated answer to what seems like a simple question. A couple of good examples of why that tends to be the case and why having an overall plan is so important. That'll obviously be a theme throughout our show today. An overall plan helps make these things a little less complicated than just tackling these questions one by one. But it's important to know why it's not a simple yes or no answer to some of these things. Designing a truly diversified portfolio would be the second item that we would put on the list. Seems like a simple you know, question, how can I design a diversified portfolio? But boy, could we probably get uh, a little lost in the weeds here if we weren't careful. I'll take that one, Walter. You know, that is a, a complex question. In fact, it's an easy concept. It's easy in concept, but it's very difficult in execution. Why do I say that? Because even few financial advisors, let alone clients, really understand where in the market the best returns come from. The information doesn't come from Wall Street firms, but from the academic community like the Booth Business School at the University of Chicago. That's a key place that we go to in terms of understanding where the best returns come from in the market, The what we call the asset classes or unique groups that are available to invest in, what the ranges of return, the ranges of risk would be. So there's a professor there by the name of Eugene Fama, who's a Nobel laureate, that says to be properly diversified, you must first need to invest in literally all available listed investments worldwide. So there are 21 different distinct asset categories, 21. There's 45 total productive countries and over 17,000 unique issues. So you go, wow, that's a very wide range of places to go. Well, this approach ensures that you get all, as an investor, you get all the returns available in the market and don't miss any of it at all. 
So nothing's excluded. But the second part is really more tricky. FAMA says that you must determine how percentages of this financial pie are divided. For example, how much do we put in large cap U.S. companies? Should we put 30% in there, 20%? How about 4.5%? Well, there's a reason why. That percentage is 4.5. Or how about 7.5% of the pie going into U.S. small company stocks and so forth? At Pathfinder, we call this, again, the recipe approach because it must be done with care and great precision. Barb, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, lining up portfolios on the efficient frontier. And I tell people, too, that remember diversification isn't about not having a down year. It's about lessening the downside risk. And it's not about getting the highest return. It's about peace of mind on the downside because you have less volatility. So you're going to be down, but not as significantly as if you were less diversified. So the key when you're in the stock market is don't sell. Don't sell and you don't lose. You don't lose money until you sell. So I just tell my clients, I said, you're down in value. You haven't lost anything. Kind of an interesting uh, way of looking at it. I haven't heard it really pegged that way before, but it's true. You haven't lost until you sell. You haven't, uh, would it, the reverse be opposite as well? You haven't earned until you sell as well? No, it's on paper. So, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, if they cashed out, it is real, you know, so it's just that you don't want to cash out because, you know, when, once you sell those shares, they're gone. You know, and when you rebalance a portfolio, then you can buy those shares and you can buy those shares at a low price during down times. And that's the key to diversification is also rebalancing. I always encourage my clients to think about the stock market and their investment very similar to their house. We don't know what the value is from day to day. So why check on it? And so we put money toward that house to pay off the mortgage. Yeah. And so that's very important to understand that uh, you need to just keep on putting money into it. We don't care what happens on a day-by-day -day basis, just like we wouldn't we wouldn't sell the house if the stock or if the real estate market went down by 10% this year, which has happened in this community. You just keep on putting money away, and one of these days you'll end up owning it. It's a really good point and another good way to look at it. It's all about what lens you're looking at these issues through sometimes, and you want to make sure you're looking through the proper one, the right lens, as you analyze these things. Let's talk about a common issue in the financial world, and that's a 401k. Uh, a lot of people will have those plans as part of their portfolio, as part of their retirement uh, strategy. And points three and four, we're going to kind of loop together here. And I know, Barbara, you're looking forward to tackling this one. Let's talk about picking funds in your 401k and which ones to choose. Seems like an easy question, as well as should I do and how do I do a 401k rollover kind of include these two simple questions together, but where's the complication come in? Okay, sure. Well, picking the right funds in your 401k isn't as important as the vehicle that you're saving in. So no matter what your age, again, I try to have people save in the Roth 401k if your company has one. You can save, again, $19,000 a year if you're under age 50, another 6000 if you're over age 50. So that's $25,000 of tax-free money. We don't know where taxes will be in the future, but the assumption is that they're going to go up because we're in a very low taxing environment right now. So picking funds, you're going to be limited to choices in most 401k plans. Target date funds, which is choosing a fund for the year that you retire, is the least labor intensive way to go. If you choose to make your own choices, then that'll require some homework on your end. And in order to get as close as possible to the exposure needed in all areas of the stock market, plan on this method taking some time. So I'm not opposed to target date funds, provided that someone is reallocating periodically and 
minding the store, if you will, and especially the closer you are to retirement. Those investment managers inside of those funds, however, they're essentially doing all the work for you. Returns aren't guaranteed, but they're nothing are. There's no returns that are guaranteed anywhere in the stock market. So what I would say is to research your investment group's target date funds and see what reviews say. Now the rollover process, this is a very important decision. You're gonna to wanna to work with a financial advisor on moving those funds to an IRA, an individual retirement account. There are many considerations when moving your money from an employer-sponsored plan to a plan of your own. So among those are unlimited investment choices that you have in the marketplace that you don't have within your 401k, retirement advice, hopefully tax savings advice, estate protection, et cetera. Now you're not gonna get this from all financial advisors, so make sure that you do your homework. Now, once you decide on the place for your money, then the advisor will guide you as far as to how to move the money. But you have to be careful with this because if you do it yourself, there's a mandatory 20% federal withholding and you don't have to incur that tax if it's done properly. You can and you should maintain the tax deferral in the plan by transferring via a trustee to trustee transfer. If the check is in your name, that's when the taxes must be withheld because the IRS looks at it as if you're not gonna maintain the tax deferral and you wanna make sure that they get their money. So to sum it up, choose target date funds if you'd like to simplify your choices in your homework, but save. The best advice I could give is save. Save in a 401k plan and save for your retirement. You can worry about the better choices later. And as far as a rollover, see a qualified retirement specialist. You can give us a call at 815-399-9806 for a free consultation in this area. We'd be happy to see you and discuss your options. Phil, do you have anything to add? Yes, Barb. What's really interesting is that if you look at the bevy of 401k plans out there that are available and you look back 10 years, you'll see there's a huge difference in the number of choices available within your 401k plan. There used to be a huge universe of 401k choices, mutual funds, ETFs, that type of thing in past years, but that's been reduced down to just a select number. In fact, uh, out of the 21 asset classes or groups that we say you should be invested in, there might only be five to eight in those particular 401k plans. And there's a reason for that. What happened was the government made a rule and they required the employer, the person that runs the 401k plan who has responsibility for that one 401k plan, they made them fiduciaries. In other words, now they have liability and so they want to reduce down the amount of liability that they hold in these plans. That's why they don't want to hold these plans after a, a person retires from the company. They want that employee that's retiring to take that 401k money with them because they're, they're ultimately responsible for it. So the employers don't want to be held with the responsibility of maintaining and have the liability of being fiduciaries over that 401k. And the number of choices available in the 401k plan are limited as well. So those are, those are detriments. Those are downsides to the 401k market as we see it today. Different layers and complications there for sure, but important to consider nonetheless when it comes to 401ks that you're pulling the right levers and uh, making all of those good decisions. But I think that's also just a very important lesson that Barbara brought up that often we worry about the wrong question, right? We worry about the wrong problem and there's so much focus on what to invest in when probably the majority of folks it's just a matter of putting the money away in the first place. And I think that's a really good thing that you brought up there, Barbara, to focus on because the rest of it doesn't matter if we're not saving and trying to maximize those opportunities. The rest of it's not going to have a big impact. So make sure we're doing the that first problem, solve that one first of actually being a saver. And then we can move on to you know talking about those other things more in depth. So don't let that get 
overlooked. Last but not least, the fifth simple retirement question that's actually kind of hard to answer is addressing the cost of a nursing home stay and how to do that. Seems like it shouldn't be that hard of an answer, but again, lots of layers here, right? Ah, the notorious nursing home question. For those who say, I'm not going to a nursing home, the following does not apply. You mean today's not a good day to go? No, it's not. I'm never going to a nursing home. (laughs) But for the rest of us who live in the land of reality, it's a huge question. And for most folks, the extent of their planning for nursing home care is probably comparable to taking a three-hour cruise on the SS Minnow. For those of of you that are too young to know what the SS Minnow was or was, please uh, watch the reruns of Gilligan's Island because you'll find out that he ended up on a desert island. It wasn't very good advanced planning. So there are really only two things you can do in the land of reality to address the cost issue of nursing homes. And the first one I'll call plan A, that's self-pay. That's where you're taking your own resources and spending down your own money until you get to the point where you have none left and you go on what's called Medicaid, which is the state program for support in a nursing home. Now, if you're a single individual, you have no heirs, you may want to spend down your own resources, but most people want to preserve their hard-earned assets. They've spent their entire lifetime planning and saving and scrimping so they could have something in their retirement years. They don't want to lose it to a nursing home. But yet at the same time, they're not doing very much proactive planning to prevent that from happening. So we suggest to them plan B, which is shifting the payments that would go to a nursing home over to an insurance company or an insurance carrier. Most are not aware of the great new affordable product designs in the long-term care industry. As an example, there's something known as asset-based long-term care. And this type of product returns all of your money with interest if you don't use it. The biggest objection that people have, well, one of the biggest objections besides the cost that people have about traditional long-term care is that if they don't use it, they're gonna lose it, everything that they put in. And that's the proposition that traditional long-term care offers. Well, with the new asset-based long-term care programs, you can actually have that money returned to you with interest. And so it's important to explore some of these alternatives. So we suggest that you would call our office at 815-399-9806 and explore some of the alternatives because you'd be surprised how affordable these plans are today and how innovative they are. Barb, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's very true as far as how innovative they are today. What I do is I just give clients options because I think that we have to expose this to our clients because just of the statistics, for if for no other reason, 70% of those reaching the age of 65 will spend some time in a nursing home. Well, it's no wonder if we're expected to live to be in our 90s or even past 100. Two out of three people will develop Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, or dementia, of which, which right now there is no cure. So when you look at, you know, people would never think about not insuring their house right, or not insuring their vehicles, but the chances of your house burning down or your car being totaled is much less than you going to a nursing home. Absolutely. So like you said, you know, you can choose to do nothing and then that's the pay out of pocket. But what I do is I just lay out all the choices for my clients and then they can, they're the ultimate decision maker. Yeah, they have to be their own free moral agents. Mm -hmm. We can't make the decision for them. And so our job is just to lay it out for them, show them the statistics and hope that it really kind of rings true with them. Yep. 
Well, great points as always, and these things, you know, really ring true for many to realize and experience some of these decisions and how they seem simple on the front end, but then on the back end, they might be a little bit harder to answer. And, you know, I think these are mostly tough questions to answer if you're trying to make them in the vacuum or outside of a comprehensive plan. When people meet with you guys, how do you simplify the answers to questions like these? What sort of the, is there magic sauce or is it really just the development of a, of a sound relationship between you and the client? I would say, bingo, you got, you know, B. <laughs> it's a good relationship between us and the clients because, uh, you know, once we meet with someone and they do become a client of ours, we meet with them regularly. And as I always tell people that retirement is a process, it's not just a one-time event. So when people come in for the first time, we just want to get to know them. You know, find out what they're trying to accomplish when they're going to retire, what are their plans now and in retirement. And so it's really just a getting to know one another. And we spend about an hour doing that. Well, if you'd like to schedule a time to meet and discuss your financial situation, what's important to you from a financial standpoint, and get to know the team at Pathfinder Wealth Management, it's easy to do so. You can call the number that Barbara and Phil have mentioned a couple of times, 815-399-9806. That's 815-399-9806. Or you can find them online, of course, at pathfinderwealth.com. That's pathfinderwealth.com. And just look for the contact button, and you can get in touch that way. And if you look for the podcast button at the top of the screen, you'll also be able to listen to past episodes of the show in case you've missed any. Be sure to check that out and subscribe to the podcast using your favorite platform or app, and you'll never miss an episode when they get posted. So another way that you can certainly go about it. Phil and Barbara, thank you so much for taking time out to join us on this week's program, and uh, we'll look forward to another podcast with you soon. Absolutely. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you both so much. Coming up on the next podcast, we'll answer more of your financial questions. So don't be afraid to uh, send those into us on pathfinderwealth.com and be sure to join us next time around when we chat with Barbara and Phil right back here on the Retirement Pathfinder. Thanks for listening. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.